Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege of being in your presence again. Your presence, there is fullness of joy. Your right hands are a pleasure forevermore. Thank you, Father, because a day in your court is better than a thousand elsewhere. Thank you, Father, for the blessing of your presence this morning. And we ask, O oh God, that through the ministry of your word, meet us at our various points of need. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for answered prayers. For in Jesus, much less never have prayed. May you be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Happy Palm Sunday. I would like to start by thanking the leadership of the church. Uh, my former chaplain is here. <laughs> Reverend Kalon, Professor Chikaranusiem, and then Reverend Kalon, Professor Honor, and Reverend Doctor Anyago. I want to thank the Chapel Council and the church for considering me resourceful to be part of today's service. I'm not taking that for granted. Together we are trusting God will bless us this morning in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 19, 28 to 40. Luke chapter 19, When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a court tied, on which no one has ever sat. Lose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you losing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were losing the court, the owners of it said to them, why are you losing the court? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the court, and they set Jesus on him. And uh, as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he, was not, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they have seen, saying, Blessed is the King! Who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if this should keep quiet, the stones will immediately cry out. May God bless the reading of his word in our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. Our topic 
uh, this morning is a very interesting one. Today is Palm Sunday, and um, all over the world, routinely every year, we commemorate this particular event. There are events in the liturgy of the church that are routine, and this falls into one of those routines. The Christmas and the Easter and the Palm Sunday and the rest of them. I have had the privilege of uh, speaking on Palm Sundays in several other places. And the pattern has always been to focus on the person of the King, Jesus himself. And I'm sure in many churches today, many people will be looking at it, at the person of Jesus. There are three key players around this story. It's a Sunday school story. Jesus, the donkey, and the crowd. While Adnyogo was leading the prayer, he further subdivided the crowd into those who know him and those who do not know him. Praise the Lord. So it's normal and routine for us always on a day like this to focus on Jesus. Of course, it's the reason for the season. Looking at his glorification, how he was celebrated in a very unique way on a day like this. But today, our topic seems to suggest that we may likely shift our focus on the donkey. Praise the Lord. Because the topic says, lose them and bring them to me. On the background of the year team, be strong and never be discouraged. There will be reward for your work. I love this topic and I can tell you I was personally blessed while preparing for this meeting. And so, in what I will consider a strong paradigm shift on the routine things we do today, we will be looking at that donkey as our focus this morning. I'm going to do what I call a deductive expository on that donkey. And we'll see how God will use him to bless us. Amen? Of course, it has been in the pattern of God to use ordinary things to convey deep spiritual truths. We can see all over how Jesus will use the parables. And as we examine this donkey, the activities around this donkey, I trust God to help our lives this morning in Jesus' name. Jeremiah chapter 1, that is where we will take off just the four things we will look at and then we will pray. I just have like 37 minutes to go. Jeremiah chapter 1. You come with me in verse 4. Just looking at this donkey. I have read a separate scripture from what was used as the main test today. And I'm going to be using... If you look at those two stories, you will see some, a little difference in those two stories. And there are diversities of, of, um, of uh, emphasis. 
And uh, in Matthew, you discover there are two animals, and in Luke, there are just one animal. Praise the Lord. But uh, I'm going to be tying the two scriptures together, and for the purpose of this meeting, I will be looking at just one animal. And that's why I've read Luke chapter 19. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Praise the Lord. So the first thing we need to note about this donkey is that this donkey was not an existence of chance but a fulfillment of a prophecy of many years predating his birth. The Bible was careful to say in the book of Matthew, where we just read an account of the story, that it was in fulfillment of a prophecy. Praise the Lord. And that prophecy was prophesied in Zechariah 9.9, many, many, many years ago, before the donkey was born. And to underscore the fact that he was not just an ordinary donkey, this donkey was kept unused until Jesus showed up. In that sense, this donkey was already predestined to serve a unique purpose in his time. Collaborating this, Jeremiah said, and God speaking to him, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you. It's not just an ordinary knowing. I knew you and I have also ordained you to become a prophet to the nations. So the first thing we need to note this morning is that God has a preconceptual knowledge of us. You are not a product of an accidental discharge. Your coming was well planned. Even before you were conceived, God had a knowledge of you. God planned for your coming. God took counsel in heaven. And out of so many possible use, God chose you to exist. And it was not a casual thing. God didn't just choose you. God had a purpose tied to your neck. 
Your coming here is for a specific purpose. The donkey did not just arrive. He came to fulfill a specific purpose. That's why nobody will sit on it until Jesus showed up. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a problem you are created to solve. There is a gap you are created to fill. There is a space you are created to occupy. There is a question you are created to answer. Your life is a purpose-driven life. When a purpose of a thing is not known, of course, abuse becomes inevitable. So many people are living a purposeless life, and what I will call a self-abuse life, because your coming here is not an ordinary coming. God has a purpose for you. Many years before the donkey came to be, a man, Zechariah, has prophesied that one day a donkey shall be born among all donkeys. And it shall not be an ordinary donkey. But because it's not ordinary, it shall be reserved. No man can sit on it until he fulfills the reason why he's here. Until Jesus showed up. And when Jesus showed up, he sent a message, he said, it's time for the donkey to do the reason why he came. I will come to the ministry of the donkey. But I want to caution us that we need to begin on a daily basis live in the consciousness that we are here for a reason. God planned your coming. There's a purpose tied to your neck. There are things, specific things, only you can do. Only you is wired to do. And the key to having a fulfilled life is to discover your purpose here. If you don't discover your purpose here, it will be a waste of living, and God forbid. It was so for Esther. At the time Esther was in the palace of the king, enjoying you know, the glamour of the palace. When there was crisis in the land, and Israel was facing an existential threat from Haman. Of course, they have plans to, you know, take away all the Israelites today in a massive genocide. And Mordecai has sent a message to Esther, which is very instructive for us this morning. In Esther, chapter 4, verse 14. What is Esther chapter 4 verse 14 saying? Anybody know? For if all together holdest thou thy peace at this time, then there shall be enlargement and deliverance arising to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether that thou art 
come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Hallelujah. That's not just the reason why you are here. That's the reason why you are here at a time like this. We need to live in this consciousness. A fearful thing about Mordecai's warning to Esther, he said, if you don't fulfill purpose, God will raise an alternative over you. May God forbid that in Jesus' name. As part of the prayer, I pray for myself that God will not raise an alternative over me on account of my laxity. At the time came in the book of Apostles, book of Acts of Apostles, we are concerning Judas. It was written, his place, let another take. May nobody take your place in destiny in the name of Jesus. But nobody can keep God stranded. All over scriptures, whenever a man fails to fulfill purpose, God raises an alternative. When Saul failed, while he was still king for that eight years, there was another David in the making to replace him. It's a disaster that while you are still alive, well and healthy, that God raises an option to you. May God forbid in the name of Jesus. We will fulfill purpose. The donkey came. And he came for a reason. And when the time came, Jesus showed up. And he began to do the reason why he came. Exodus chapter 7 verse 16. Exodus 7 16. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you will not hear. Hallelujah. Jesus sent two men to the location of these donkeys. And the instruction was, untie him and bring him to me. Your topic says, untie them, according to Matthew, and bring them to me. Untie them and bring them to me. In the book of Exodus, where we just read, we are seeing a parallel as God was processing the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. The instruction looks the same. And I can tell you, it's the same. In principle and in practice, God sent Moses to Pharaoh concerning Israel. He said, let my people do what? Let my people go. Release them. And the reason why you need to release them is because they need to serve me. Some translation says, let them go that they may worship me. In several other accounts, say, let them go that they go sacrifice for me in the wilderness. 
And so although this donkey was born with a purpose, although this donkey had a prophecy predicting its existence, it was died. And because it was tied, it cannot fulfill the reason for its existence. We cannot effectively serve God tied. It has always been God's pattern. Whether it be Exodus or whether it be the story before us, to untie a man for service. It's not convenient for God. For any of his child to serve him in any form of bondage. And this time I come to God in prayer. That's part of my argument. Because we still look at things. It's all a rope. A rope on the neck of the donkey. Tied to somewhere. And when you look at that rope, it, it signifies a lot of things. Rope talks about limitations. Amen? <laughs> it talks about restriction. When a rope is tied around your neck and hooked on a joint, there are places you can't go. There are things you can't do. There is a perimetry around your life drawn by the length of that rope that you can't go beyond. And so the first thing in getting this donkey to fulfill purpose was to untie the donkey. The instructions was very specific. When you get there, first thing you should do is to do what? Untie. Because if you don't untie him, he can't come. If you don't release him, he can't come. Unless Israel is released from Egypt, they can't effectively serve God. And as I said before, nobody can serve God tied effectively. Nobody can effectively serve God tied. So I believe that one of the things God will do even on this Palm Sunday is to untie some of us. Hallelujah. And one of the ropes, the fundamental of all ropes that could tie men is the rope of sin, of which Jesus paid an expensive price to untie. A few weeks ago, I was sharing somewhere on the cost of our salvation. Throughout this week, it's possible that many routine Christian gatherings across the world will be examining again routinely the price Jesus paid to eventually get to the cross. It was a heavy price. One of these days, you sit down and study the account of the journey of Jesus to the cross. Not in one gospel, but in the four gospels. And put all of them together on a list. And it will dawn on you how expensive your salvation is. And I've always said, 
Theologically, the greatest price Jesus paid, really, was not the floggings or the beatings or the spittings or even the nails on his fingers. None of those things bothered him, if you observe. The greatest, the greatest pain Jesus suffered was his momentary separation from his father. The misery of the Trinity was literally broken on the cross to secure salvation. Eternity passed. The Bible says the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit that they are one and it is a misery. You can't unravel it. That misery was abused on the cross to secure salvation. As Jesus was carrying the sin of the whole world, and of course the eyes of God cannot behold iniquity. God momentarily separated himself from his soul within a space of time. Jesus bore all things to the cross, but he couldn't bear that one. And that was why, he, in a little while, he couldn't handle it. He began to shout and cry on the cross, say, Father, Father, why? Have you forsaken me? And God has to cut the process short because it was terrible. Your salvation is so expensive that if indeed you know what it cost God to untie you, you may not be living the way you are living now. It doesn't have anything to do with the amount of money in your account. Or the status you carry in the society. Or the social, or anything about you. If you are truly born again, genuinely born again, sanctified and delivered from the kingdom of darkness. Ladies and gentlemen, you are very expensive. Very expensive. And that is why the scripture says, what shall it profit a man? If he gains the whole world and loses his soul, <laughs> yeah. one single soul on one scale is bigger than the whole world put on another scale. You are expensive. And if it is only one thing you learn today, go home and know you are expensive. And walk through life with a sense of high esteem that you are the redeemed of the Lord. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So the rope of sin, one critical rope that needed to be untied, if a man is to truly serve purpose and to serve God. Say, so go, untie the rope and bring them to me. There are several other ropes that keep tying me down, even after they are saved. There are rope of poverty. Each time you see purpose behind you, you don't have money to finance purpose. God will untie you this morning in Jesus' name. There are, there are ropes of ill health. And each time you see things you can do for God, your health can't carry you to it. God will release you this morning in Jesus' name. And I've said severally, you can actually go to God with scripture. He said, I can't serve you this way. Hallelujah. You need to release me to serve you because even in Exodus, the instruction was very straightforward. Let my people go. I must go to serve you. I can't serve you from this sick bed. I can't serve you from this infirmity. I can't continue to serve you under.
before God. And I see God answering that prayer over your life this morning in Jesus' name. There are a rope of tradition that still holding people down. You can't serve God effectively. I was once held by a rope of tradition. In fact, for me to do what I'm doing today, God needed to break a very strategic rope of, of tradition. I came from a place where tradition is deep in Anambra states. And at the age of 14, I had to, I had to be initiated into a cult because it's part of the tradition for all men born in my community. That night events, that night events, a rope was tied on my neck spiritually and held me down for many years. That was even less than 40 years. I think I was maybe 12 years or that, you know. Because I know in my place, we are also, Anyago is my, my community neighbor. I think we are more spiritual than their people. Praise the Lord. So when their people see us, they have to get scared. Amen. <laughs> but I tell you, that initiation made me spiritually powerful in the masquerade court. By 16 years old, right here in Enugu, I had carried one of the most dangerous masquerades you can ever think about. A masquerade from around this Zogo. By name Yaboko. It is usually carried by the most elder, most, um, the eldest Dibia in, in around this Zogo. Routinely, I took it at 16 years. Brand new from Acharalea to Ubiago. I was given to tradition. At the age of 16, I can handle traditional things. It was a rope tied over my neck. And I didn't know salvation. I struggled to be saved. That, that rope was on my neck. And you will, you will see how God broke that rope. Praise the Lord. I went to Obiago and I saw a dead Dillian masquerade from Nike called Ayaya. You know, that masquerade was made with stainless spoon from head to toe. Stainless spoon. When I sighted Ayaya from afar, I weighed our spiritual strength and I knew that I was in trouble. So I needed to retreat. So I called the people following me. I told them, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we can't move on. We must return to base. He said, why? He said, because Ayaya is there. He said, no, Ayaya who? Who is Ayaya self? Let's go and deal with him. I said, me, if you know how big Iyaboku is, if any crisis arises in Obiago, others can run, I can't run. Because I was very, it's a very big masquerade. So, we, went, we were just there arguing to go or not to go, to go or not to go, I knew my life was at stake. So I went to that roundabout there and did some amounts in Face College Road on my way going home. There. <laughs> Amen. By the time I got to 17 in Wadham Street and all the protocols were put in place for the dam, the removal of the mask, there are protocols you follow. We entered in, into 
a room and we did all we needed to do and brought it down and locked that place. And locked that place. Five minutes after I left that place, Nepal took light. There was no light in the entire building. And so, we looked through the other buildings, there was light. These people have light, these people have light. We don't have light. What's the problem? And before we knew it, people came and stayed shouting, there is smoke, oh, fire. We came downstairs, two-story building, came downstairs, and lo and behold, smoke was coming out from the room where the Yaboku was kept. And so out of courage, used leg and broke that door. And before us was the Yaboku on fire. And the fire went so high that it burnt the meter. And that's how the light went off. And as I watched the Yaboku burning, and God will tell you, and that is true. If I have stayed in that masquerade 10 more minutes, I will not be here standing and speaking to you this morning. <laughs> it was there while looking at Yaboko, I got born again. Amen. <laughs> because I understood what was going on. And I knew that God, out of his infinite mercy, had just delivered me. I won't bore you with stories of what happened to people in masquerades. But God gave me an escape. And I responded to that escape by recommitting my life to Christ. That event broke the rope of tradition in my life completely, absolutely, and irreversibly. That release enabled me to begin to serve God with ease. As a campus fellow in campus university, I served God. I'm still serving God. Amen? And I know somebody here who is being held by tradition. You are being released this morning in Jesus' name. You are being released until you are untied. You can't serve God. There are rope of unwillingness that will not permit you to serve God. The Bible says in the days of his power, my people shall be willing. Part of our heart cry this morning, I've only listed a few things. For all of us here celebrating the Palm Sunday, that whatever seems to be tying you, tied to a stake, restricted, limited, you just can't do much for God on account of that rope. Just like the donkey. You are released this morning in Jesus' name. This service is your release service. God will break every rope, no matter the size, the color, the dimension, the length, that has kept you, you know, down in effectively serving God. 
For it is God who worketh in us, in us both to will and to do according to his good purpose. John chapter 15 verse 16. Are still looking at this donkey? John 15 16 he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that uh, your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Hallelujah. I read about a cartoon concerning this donkey. The day I read it, I kept laughing and laughing and laughing. After the Palm Sunday of, or the event of the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, the donkey was now walking with his friends somewhere. They were walking around and they, this donkey started complaining to his friends. It's, it's a cartoon, no? it's not in the Bible. <laughs> he said to his friends, that just a few, few days ago, everybody was giving him red carpet. You know? You know, people were really putting their clothes on the floor for another donkey. To be stepping on it. But, you know, Jesus didn't walk on those clothes. So. Who walked on the clothes? <laughs> it's a donkey. <laughs> so, after Jesus left, which I will soon close with, he found himself back to normal life. So he told his friends, see how life has just changed. Last, only last week, I was walking on red carpets. And people were, you know, doing all sorts around me. But just today, I have become ordinary again. And a friend told him that uh, it was because that Jesus was sitting on him. Praise the Lord. All the glamour he enjoyed, all the glory he enjoyed, you know, we are all on account of the fact that there was somebody that was sitting on him. And his friend now told him, you, you now see that without Jesus, you are nobody. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to serve God. A few years ago, I had a very close friend who was eventually the minister of health. Just before he became minister of health, we were having private discussion on being his SPA, senior special assistant. And uh, rumor began to go around that that Obiokoye is going to be um, an assistant to the minister. And um, within the space of that rumor, I became important overnight. Amen. <laughs> People that don't used to call me before started calling me on phone. You know? Even my steps changed. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> so when, when I was going to Itikwazala and my phone was ringing, and it was the man calling me. He said, okay, where are you? I said, I'm on my way to Itikwazala. I said, that's the problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, those who made him minister, also appointed an assistant for him. 
to supervise his movement. <laughs> so this arrangement will no longer work. I said, eh? He said, yes. <laughs> and I said, that's okay with me. Of course, while he was there in Abuja, I was also busy working on my appraiser. And it was not a wasted time. As he was finishing his, his tenure, I was also being appointed a professor at the university. Amen? All things work together for good. All today that love God. And are the call according to purpose. But the interesting thing about this is that I became important overnight. On account of a rumor. I have not become one, no. Just a rumor. In fact, somebody came to me and said he wants to apply to be my assistant to the assistant minister. <laughs> you know? I said you should hold on his application first. Let me get my own first. <laughs> Praise the Lord! How big a man became important overnight? Because it's rumored to be going to serve a mortal man. At this time, I look at and I praise that period. I ask myself, even me, I am serving the God, the creator of heaven and earth. The president of all presidents. The owner of the universe. I need to appraise my self-esteem in this service. Amen? I am important. You know, when they went, they said, if the owner of this donkey asked, why must we release this donkey to you? What would be the answer? Eh? If you look at another translation, he said you should reply him and say, You see this donkey, eh? This donkey is important to me. The master needs it. I need this donkey. I want to recruit him for a work, for a service. And I want to change your opinion about serving God this morning. If you are here in church, and you had the privilege of being chosen to serve God. You see that scripture we read? Jesus was telling them, say, you did not choose yourself. I did what? I told you are a product of a selection process. That is what it means. It means that not everybody is qualified to do what you are currently doing for God. And if you find yourself doing it for God, then you must change your opinion. Adjust your opinion. Don't know why Christians look down on themselves. You feel inferior everywhere you go. On account of your social status. You don't have money. You're not riding the kind of cars others are driving. You're not living in the kind of neighborhood people, other people are living. And so many things around you tends to convince you that you are inferior, you are low, you are nobody. May that change this morning in the name of Jesus. If you are in recruitment in God, 
you come here, your God has just assigned you, say, my daughter, all I want you to do for me is to sweep this church for me every week. And that is all. All your life. All your life. Nothing more, nothing less. You are important. Very important. And you should walk through this life with a sense of dignity. A sense of high self-esteem. When I look at the criteria of the young men that were recruited by the king of Babylon to serve in the kingdom, they were not ordinary. You know, you see the CV is heavy. And one of the CVs even that they will be physically handsome. <laughs> if they use that kind of criteria here, some people will be disqualified. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But God didn't mind your physical look. God didn't mind your background, your educational status. The criteria of men is not the same with the criteria of God. I've got two castles in heaven. And of all men on earth, say, look at that sister. Pick him and recruit him. Recruit her. She's qualified to serve in my kingdom. And I tell you, whoever you are, go home and rejoice. For you are serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let your opinion change. Be happy. Be excited. Celebrate. Let everybody who cares to know that you are a recruitment and you are serving the Almighty God. And by so doing, you are very important. Hallelujah. I want to close this morning with something that has a direct link with our team in the next five minutes, John chapter 9, verse 4. We are looking at the donkey this morning, and I hope you are blessed by the life of this donkey. <laughs> the donkey is a product of prophecy. Number two, the donkey needed to be untied in order to effectively serve purpose. And number three, we needed to have a high level of self-esteem as servants of God. And then we are closing in John chapter 9, verse 4, are we there? I must walk the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is fast coming when no one can walk. Hallelujah. As we close this morning, I want us to carefully note that the ministry of this donkey was short. Very short. A donkey was born. And all his life, nobody was able to sit on it because he was not born an ordinary donkey. He was kept to serve a purpose. And on the day that he needed to Fulfill purpose, Jesus sent for him. And he came. He did not disobey. You know, this story would have changed if the donkey was asked to come and he refuses to come. <laughs> he willingly followed the men that came to take him and they took him to Jesus. 
this event this event was important to God if you read your Bible through you discover that this is the only one moment Jesus was publicly glorified by a crowd publicly in fact after now the next thing we saw about Jesus was was going to the temple and from there he went to the cross Within this space of period, three people came to mind. Two, two men and one animal, you know, who arrested time and took advantage of the last minute of Jesus on the earth. Jesus was actually from coming from Jericho, going to Jerusalem. From there he will go to cross, the cross, and from the cross he will go to heaven. Any, every person who had anything to do with Jesus within this space of time, Literally arrested time and took advantage of time. One person that really came to my mind is Zacchaeus. In Luke chapter 18, 19. He took advantage of time. Jesus was leaving Jericho to Jerusalem. The other person is the blind Bartimaeus. If these two people had ever missed Jesus... Within that time, it would have been a disaster for them, I tell you. And then the donkey, the one that will actually usher Jesus into Jerusalem, they all played their role. It was a very important time. And Bible was careful to note in Matthew that this is in fulfillment of a prophecy. Many years ago, God did say through Zechariah in chapter 9 verse 9, time will come. When there will be a court born in the space of time in the realm of men. And his work will be to carry Jesus into Jerusalem. But it was to be a very brief ministry. He started his work in the morning. But by evening his ministry was over. Hallelujah. I was looking at the scripture. Walk in the work of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can walk. As we examine our lives in the face of this donkey with regard to serving God, I want to beg us. If you indeed you walk into this church with your two legs unassisted. This is your best season to serve God. Every service of God has a timeline. Check your Bible well. For this donkey, it was just one full day. Afterwards, this donkey was never mentioned again in the Bible. It was over for him. But do you know, even after this donkey has died, Every Easter, <laughs> what happens? We must talk about this. Um, the only problem is that the donkey didn't have a name. If he was a dog, he would have a name. Bingo. Every Easter, <laughs> we must have a reason to talk about Bingo. He didn't have a name. But history has done him well. You see, next year, Palm Sunday. Eh? Are we going to still talk about him? We will talk about this donkey. And that's about the word. We'll come to that. But that's uh, by the way. 
A few um, months ago, I visited a friend who was working with us in Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship. He was a, he was a veteran president when I was secretary. He served God well. He served God well. I bear witness that he served God well. But he's now above 80 years. I have become stricken with age. And I went to visit him. He usually calls me Okoye Okoye. And I will reply him, my evil president. So on this day I came, he called me Okoye Okoye. I said, oh, my evil president. He sat down. The next question he asked me, how are the brethren? I said, the brethren are fine. What's happening? I told him what's going on in the fellowship. His spirit is desirous to be in fellowship. But his body can no longer carry him to fellowship. We must do the work of him who sent us why it is there. For the night is coming when no man will be able to walk. God's service has timeline and we must be conscious of this. Sometimes I pity those who are still warming seats in the church. God has no business with unproductive Christians. The reason why God spends so much on you is to use you. If you, if you are not useful to God, I, I mean, what are you doing here? If you are not useful to God if, not, God, if God is not benefiting from you, then your existence is a waste to him. His investment in your life is a waste. And this work has a timeline. Every tick of the clock is gradually drawing us to our night season. Make no mistake about this. Time will come, even in this life, if God gives you life. When if your willingness will no longer matter. Because your body can no longer carry your willingness. Walk while it is day. Because the night is fast approaching. For many of us, some of us were already in our evening season. Approaching a night season. When no man will be able to walk. The donkey walked. After one day his ministry expired. But thank God he played his role. He, played, he paid his dues. You will not expire before your time in Jesus name. My prayer for us. Is that. This thing. At the end of this year. Will be our testimony. That God will reward you. The donkey was rewarded. Look at First Corinthians chapter 15, I think verse 58, where it says, Our labor shall be rewarded. Can we take that scripture as we round up? First Corinthians 15, 58. Praise the Lord. Can we read that together? I want to go. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. A few days ago, I and my family, I think my, I and my wife were looking at 
records. Take that from open heaven of the redeemed Christian Church of God devotional. Time will come in the book of Revelation. Say books shall be opened. A part of the record of those books are the things we have done. Said every man shall be rewarded, not according to what he intended to do, but what according to what he actually did. And I trust that when the day of reckoning comes, for us all who are here in church, God will have reason to reward us. Both in this life and in the life to come. Shall we bow our heads and pray? There should have been many things to pray for this morning, but I think we just need to quietly pray one prayer. As you are seated down quietly on your seat, I want you to, don't pray yet, I want you to look at your life again. Do you think that God is maximally benefiting from you? In your personal assessment, do you think that God's investment in your life was worth it? Do you think that the price Jesus paid to untie you from the bondage of sin? Do you think that the price Jesus paid, the expensive price Jesus paid to to untie you from the bondage of sin was worth it after all. Do you think so? Do you think so? I want you to do a personal appraisal this morning. Personal assessment of your life. That's one question I want to ask. Do you think? Look at yourself. Look at the church where you belong. For many years now, you have just been a bench warmer in this church. There is no value you seem to be adding to the kingdom. You may be a good person in the office. Everybody knows you hard working, come in time, do things and then no problem. But when it comes to the matters of the kingdom, when it comes to the matters of this church, this local church, Do you think that the price Jesus paid, the resources and investment Jesus invested in your life was worth it at all? Let me ask that question in another way. Do you think that God is in any way profiting from your life? Are you like the man with one talent who went and hid his talent until the master returned? I said, take your money. I knew who you, you are a wicked man and all that. I, I, I don't have any need to, to make any effort over this one talent. Are you like that man with one talent? What value are you bringing on the table in this church? 
running the kingdom overall. Is God profiting from your life? It's a personal question that God is asking you on a Palm Sunday like this. Now, let's move further in second question because this is the question that will provoke a very personal prayer I trust to pray this morning before God. Number two question, what can you identify as the rope that have tied you to a stake and have put limitations and restrictions around you? Why you can't go far? I don't know the distance between where this donkey was domiciled and where Jesus was. But unless the donkey was untied, he can't go far to where Jesus needed him to do a job for him. What are the ropes? You know some people here, it may be a rope of sin. You are not just born again. And unless you are untied, you can't serve God. You can't serve God. And if you belong to that category, you want God to release you this morning. You want to enjoy serving God with a sense of liberty and freedom from all oppressions of the wicked one. I would like you to identify yourself wherever you are. You just raise your hand and we'll pray with you together and we'll move on. You are in church this morning. You desire in your heart, I want to serve God. But Father, untie me from this rope of sin. Untie me from this encumbrance of sin. Untie me from this oppression of the enemy. I want to serve you. If you are there, if you are here in church and you fall into that category, I want to see your hand up. Wherever you are, I want to pray with you. In the name of Jesus, I want you to say after me, wherever you are, if you are giving your life to the Lord, you want to have a new life, brand new life that Jesus gives, you want to be born again, you can say after me, it's not by force, say after me a minute and your life will turn around for the better. Lord Jesus can say after me Lord Jesus thank you for dying on the cross thank you for dying for me forgive my sins come into my heart become my Lord and Savior I want you to be my Lord I want you to be my Savior Make me born again. Give me the power to live for you. In the name of Jesus. Wherever you are, we are praying for you. Hold on to this prayer by faith. Father God, thank you for your children who have heard your word. And you have touched them today. And they have decided to give their lives to you. God, you said that those who retain their lives, they lose it. But those who give their lives to you, they retain it. They will have life forever. Today, Lord, we call upon you to fulfill your word in the lives of these children. 
in the lives of these men and women, in the lives of these ladies, Lord Jesus, forgive their sins, cleanse them, let the blood of Jesus wash them clean, give them the power to become your children, make them born again. We ask, Lord, that you have their names written in the book of life now. And keep them faithful, working with you unto the end. In the mighty name of Jesus, Amen. Father, as I lay my hand upon these your children, and as we lay hands by faith on those that are far from here, Father, empower them to become overcomers over the devil, over flesh, over sin. Father, keep them shining for you. May the power of the Holy Spirit come upon them and make the new birth real in their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Finally, I want you in the, to be seated down quietly. I want you to consider those patients I have just raised. And convert them to a personal prayer this morning. Is God profiting from you? What ropes can you identify this morning? Things that have tied you, limited you, restricted you from fully expressing your service to God. Some of you are so young, but very unproductive. There are students here who are doing zero things for God. It is an error. It is an aberration. It's an aberration. As you identify those ropes, can you begin to ask God for grace to untie them? You need to move. After service today, you need to move. The trajectory has to change. You need to move. You need to resolve to up the game in giving God quality service now that is day. Of course, the night is fast approaching where no man will be able to work. Can you begin to talk to God? It's not a noisy prayer, quietly. Some of you, you can ask God, take this sickness away from me. I need to do things for you. God will hear you this morning. Take away this financial frustration from me. From me. I need to do things for you. God will hear you this morning. Take away this you know, oppression from me. I need to be serious with your work. God will hear you this morning. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Say, as I hear you say, so shall I do for you. Just talk to God. Whatever you identify as the rope that is on your neck, tying you and restricting you from serving God. Can you begin to lay them before the master this morning? There is deliverance in the church this morning, I tell you. You will not forget this Palm Sunday all your life. 
is a dead, is a, is a game changer for you. All your life you will not forget today. I want you to pray. Just pray. Pray fervently, but quietly on your seats. I see God coming to you individually where you are, releasing you, you know, liberating you, untying you, and releasing the grace for service into your life in a measureless measure. Thank you, Father. And the church says, Amen. Right on.